Welcome to Hood Scholarship. It's your boy Kalani Starr, back with another installment of Kalani Starr Presents Hood Scholarship. And staying on the course of creation, we're going down to the southernmost tip of Mesopotamia to hear a creation myth in one of the oldest cities in the ancient world, Eridu. As stated in both the Sumerian Kings list, as well as in the Song of the Ho, the first city to be constructed was that of Eridu home of another one of the chief Anuna deities and brother of Enlil, Enki. Eridu, known to the Sumerians as Nunki and the Akkadians as Eritu, is long considered to be the earliest city in southern Mesopotamia. The buildings were made of mud and brick, with the temples growing upwards and the village growing outwards. It was first excavated in 1855 by John George Taylor and would have three more excavations within the following century that will reveal the significance of the foundation of the first city and its host god, Enki. Enki, the Sumerian god of water, knowledge, crafts, creation, fertility, magic, and mischief, son of Tiamat and Absu, or An and Namu, depending on which edition you read, also the brother of Enlil, the father of Marduk, and host god to the city of Eridu. Although his kingship was originally founded in Eridu, the influence of Enki swept throughout Mesopotamia, and he was worshipped by Canaanites, Hittites, Hurrians, and we can find patron deities throughout the ancient cultures of the world whose physical description and abilities mimic those of Enki, from Quetzalcoatl and Kukulkan of Mesoamerica, to Poseidon of the ancient Greeks, to Ptah in ancient Kemet, or what we now know today as Egypt. But because of Enki often being described as a serpent, the most notable parallel comes to us in the form of the Bible, Genesis 3 to be exact. Because of this parallel, the serpent is often demonized theologically in more modern texts such as the Bible. But when we start to look at ancient texts of Mesopotamia, we get a completely different narrative of the quote-unquote serpent, and his part in helping mankind. And in the Eridu Genesis, this couldn't become any more apparent. The fragmented Eridu Genesis is found on a single fragmented tablet excavated in Nippur by the University of Pennsylvania in 1893. The style of text has a similar structure to that of Genesis, chapters 1 through 11 in the Bible. It's the oldest edition found circa 1600 BCE, but the story is thought to be much older. The first two-thirds of a six-column tablet is missing, but can somewhat be reconstructed from newer versions of the same tradition on the ancient cuneiform tablet. Starting from the existing text of the tablet, we come across an emotional Nintur. Nintur is sad because of the aimless wandering of human beings. To fix the problem, she establishes civilizations and cities, as well as ordained kingship of these cities. And similar to our last two episodes, Eridu was constructed as the first city and assigned to Enki. After another break in the text, we come across Ninter, emotional again, this time because the Council of Gods had banded together to decree a flood that would destroy her creation. But this is where Enki helps to change the course of history by warning the character Zia Sudra, whose name means life of long days. Zia Sudra is instructed to build a boat to save him from the flood and is rewarded with eternal life in Dilmun. And if that narrative sounds similar to that of Noah's Ark, 
don't worry, Mesopotamia has two other similar stories in later conquering dynasties. Both Utnapishtim and Atrahasis play the role as flood heroes and saviors of mankind. But enough of the backdrop, let's get into the actual text translated by Thorkild Jakobsen. Ninter was paying attention. Let me bethink myself of my humankind. All forgotten as they are, and mindful of mine, Ninter, creatures, let me bring them back. Let me lead the people back from their trails. May they come and build cities and cult places, that I may cool myself in their shade. May they lay the bricks for the cult cities in pure spots. And may they found places for divination in pure spots. She gave directions for purification and cries for clemency. The things that cool divine wrath perfected the divine service and the august offices. Said to the surrounding regions, let me institute peace there. When An, Enlil, Enki, and in her saga, fashioned the dark-headed people, they had made the small animals that come up from out of the earth, come from the earth in abundance, and had let there be, as befits gazelles, wild donkeys, and four-footed beasts in the desert. A break in the text. And let me have him advise, let me have him oversee their labor, and let him teach the nation to follow along unerringly like cattle. When the royal scepter was coming down from heaven, the august crown and the royal throne being already down from heaven, he the king regularly performed to perfection the august divine services and offices, laid the bricks of those cities in pure spots, they were named by name and allotted half-bushel baskets. The firstling of those cities, Eridu, she gave to the leader, Nurimu. The second, Bad-Tabira, she gave to the prince and the sacred one. The third, Marak, she gave to Pahasan. The fourth, Sipar, she gave to the gallant Utu. The fifth, Shurapa she gave to Ansu. These cities, which had been named by names and had been allotted half-bushel baskets, dredged the canals, which were blocked with purplish windborne clay, and they carried water. Their cleaning of the smaller canals established abundant growth. A break in the text. That day, Nintur wept over her creatures, and Holy Inanna was full of grief over their people. But Inki took counsel with his own heart. An, Enlil, Inki, and Ninhursaga had the gods of heaven and earth swear by the names An and Enlil. At that time, Ziasudra was king and lustration priest. He fashioned being a seer, the god of giddiness. 
and stood in awe beside it, wording his wishes humbly. As he stood there regularly, day after day, something that was not a dream was appearing, conversation, a swearing of oaths by heaven and earth, a touching of throats, and the gods bringing their thwarts up to Kior. And as Zeusudra stood there beside it, he went on hearing, Step up to the wall, to my left and listen. Let me speak a word to you at the wall, and may you grasp what I say. May you heed my advice. By our hand, a flood will sweep over the cities of the half-bushel baskets and the country. The decision that mankind is to be destroyed has been made. A verdict, a command of the assembly cannot be revoked. An order of An and Enlil is not known ever to have been countermanded. Their kingship, their turn, has been uprooted. They must bethink themselves of that. Now, what have I say to you? A break in the text. All the evil winds, all stormy winds, gathered into one, and with them then, the flood was sweeping over the cities of the half-bushel baskets for seven days and seven nights after the flood had swept over the country. After the evil wind had tossed the big boat about on the great waters, the sun came out, spreading light over heaven and earth. Ziasudra then drilled an opening in the big boat, and the Galgan Utu sent his light into the interior of the big boat. Ziasudra, being the king, stepped up before Utu, kissing the ground before him. The king was butchering oxen, was being lavish with the sheep, barley cakes crescent together. He was crumbling for him. Juniper, the pure plant of the mountains, he filled on the fire and with a clasp to the breast heat. So after reading the text, the first thing that comes to the mind of most is a similar story that's found in the Bible of Noah and his ark, which was once thought, at least until the last two centuries, to be an original manuscript. But as we dig below the face value of the text, we discover a story far older than was once believed. And through this manuscript, we learn key details of these ancient Mesopotamian people, cities, and deities. When reading from the legible fragmented text, we find Ninter, the goddess of birth and creatrix of man, planning to lead man to build cities for. We also are told that An, Enlil, Enki, and Ninhursaga fashioned the dark-headed people, as well as small animals, to come out of the earth at the same time. The first break in the text comes at a point in the story of Utnapishtim and Atrahasis at the first attempts of city building and their failure due to lack of leadership. So even though this part of the text is missing from the Eridu Genesis, it's often reconstructed by scholars using the more complete stories of Utnapishtim and Atrahasis. 
when the text restarts, we notice Ninter instituting kingship over the original five cities that were built, which were Eridu, Batibira, Larak, Sippar, and Shiripak. And as established in the Sumerian Kings list and the Song of the Ho, the city of Eridu was the firstling of these cities. But the text says it was given to the leader, Nudamud. But don't let that name confuse you. It's only a synonym for Enki, similar to Ea, Enkig, and Nunsuku. We also hear of the cities as a conglomerate being referred to as the cities of the half bushel baskets. And through the comparisons of texts, we read in the song of the hoe when it says, And for the hoe and the carrying basket, even wages were established. And as noted in the context of scripture, volume three, archival documents, Half bushel baskets seem to have been used to pay workers the grain rations that constituted their wages. Apparently, they serve here as symbols of the major centers of the economy. The word for them was also used to denote a standard measure used as a check. So with the establishment of cities came an entire economy dependent on the workers to sustain these cities. The city paid out wages for work done by the black-headed ones in the form of portions of grain, proving the power and the knowledge of agriculture and the basis for the Song of the Hope, the passing of this knowledge from the god Enlil to mankind. In the second break of the text, we reconstruct yet again through the use of later versions of the text, Utnapishtim and Atrahasis, that there was probably an account of antediluvian rulers similar to some other copies of the Sumerian kings list, and how the noise of the humans angered Enlil, which in turn forced him to assemble the gods and vote to destroy man by flood. At our next break in the text, just before the flood, which again through reconstruction, we can assume that this would have been where Enki would have advised Ziasudra to build a boat and load it with pairs of living things. Then comes the flood. And finally, our last break in the text, where Enlil would have been enraged towards Enki of the knowledge of a survivor. After the break in the text, we find that Enki is convinced on and Enlil that Ziasudra was allied with them and that Ziasudra and the animals were off limits to them, thus leading to on and Enlil making Ziasudra like a god and granting him eternal life in a place known as Dilmun, which according to Thorkil Jakobsen was the present Bahrain, but in the tale was a far off mythical place. So be sure to tap into the next episode of Kalani Star Presents Hood Scholarship as we bring another tablet from the ancient Mesopotamian library. On course with our theme of creation, we'll take a look into the story of Enki and Ninhursag. So until next time, stay sourced up and don't trust no one's information but your own. Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast at Kalani Star Presents Hood Scholarship. Hood Scholarship. This is not your average podcast.